Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. <laughs> The Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in, boys and girls. It's Friday, June 23rd here on the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew just another dude on the mic bets. We're here, man. And, uh, you know, I feel a little rusty. <laughs> it's been a while since I've done a show. I missed the Dynasty show this week, uh, unfortunately. And with the move and, you know, unboxing every night and staying up way too late to try to get this house in order. Also taking care of uh, two one-year-old twins. You said it was Friday and I was like, wait, <laughs> is that right? <laughs> I had to do this mental exercise in my head to be like, what day is it? When did I move here? Um, so I am just running on fumes at this point. So this show, you know, what could go wrong? This is going to be great. I had to explain to Truman, who just turned four, my four-year-old, that he goes, when I go to sleep, is it tomorrow now? I go, yes, it will be tomorrow. And then he woke up and he was so disappointed. He's like, it's not tomorrow. I, I've had to explain days how they work for him because he genuinely thought that because he turned four, the next day he was supposed to turn five. Uh, just just accelerated growth. That's what he was going for. So no one knows what day it is. It's in the middle of summer. It's actually when we're recording this. It's the day before my wedding anniversary. So Ooh, congratulations. I know, 11 years. So it's just a weird, weird time warp Big of plans? when we're doing this. Huge plans. I mean, we have... Now, Chili's. we got it. We got a... Chili's... Chili's like for appetizers, you know? Okay, <laughs> yes. Makes so you sense. Just you just show up like, hey, actually, we're not ordering a full meal. We're going to another place. We're here now, for we're the going- Margs and the chips and salsa. <laughs> that's all. That's but, all. Thank you. But I bring a coupon. So, so like, <laughs> so I just, just log out of there. Water and a, and a chip coupon. Now we're going to a steakhouse uh, that, that we really like in Atlanta. Uh, got a hotel. Uh, parents got the kids. So, you know, we're going we're gonna to take it easy. Brunch the next morning. Sounds like Dude, a very, very that like. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it sounds really chill. It also sounds like something that people our age would do uh, instead of like, hey, we're getting away. It's like, no, we have kids, so we can't just like go on a big trip. It's just Yeah, well, th- this is a big trip for you guys, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is. We're traveling like 20 miles. It, it, it's a big deal. On this show, we will be doing a best ball live draft. Obviously, in your podcast feed, you see live draft, and you're like, hey, get to it. Get to it already. We will. Uh we're going to get to draft with the people. Bets is going to put out a link in just a second. It's going to fill. 
and Betts and I will be drafting from different spots, hopefully right next to, not right next to each other. We'll find that out in just a second. If you want to get all of our rankings, they're up to date. We were moving people around. I was making sure that certain players just get completely nuked in our rankings. So uh, Robbie Anderson, aka Chosen Anderson, was messing up our rankings because he keeps changing his name. And so Betts and I made a choice to say, let's just make sure that people aren't drafting this guy in our top 300. Like Those are the kind of decisions we have to make right now. Yeah. Well, the bad news is, Kyle, if if we get news as training camp comes that he's definitely the three, uh, then we have to put him in a range where he's draftable in like round 18 because if Tyreek or Waddle would, you know, miss time, then obviously he'd be out there basically, you know, playing every snap, but just running around uh, doing his cardio. So yes, I, I hate when these players change name. Wasn't there someone else too recently that added like a junior to their name that messed up? Nicole the Hardman. Yes. And it's always yeah. these guys that like, they have to be high enough in your ranks because they're they're going to get time. They might get a few touches, whatever. But like they're not high enough to actually care. It's just, it's just so frustrating. Let's just stick to with one name, people. Let's stop changing them. I'm looking at you, Robbie Chosen, whatever your name is. It, it's So just so you guys know, putting together rankings isn't just typing out names in a spreadsheet. There's a whole system back inside. And when anybody changes their name, if Kenneth Walker says, I want to go by Ken Walker, but I want to go by Kenneth Walker the third, when they switch those things up, it messes our whole system. It messes up probably everybody in the fantasy industry. So Get your stuff together, people. But our rankings are up to date. Uh, our best ball primer, season-long player props, and a tease article just came out. Uh, Bets, you were kind enough to give people some free content knowing that in the DFS pass part of the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus, there's going to be some gated articles. So why don't you talk to the people? It's kind of our quick question about quarterbacks to take a stance on. Yes, this is a series I started uh, a couple of years ago that I've had a lot of success with and for me when I'm on the clock in drafts I sometimes kind of forget like why I'm taking who I'm taking and sort of just like either follow ADP or you know uh, build a stack but I also want to remember like player takes are important and I feel like in best ball that's kind of overblown it's like well you just you know you make sure you have the right number of quarterbacks the right number of wide receivers you know don't go overboard you want to stack but make sure you're bringing it back in week 17 And, and all the while like are we drafting guys that like probably just aren't going to be good picks? That matters in fantasy, right? And so I don't know that it's highest on the totem pole. I certainly wouldn't say it's lowest, probably somewhere in the middle. But using our rankings, the ultimate draft kit rankings, and uh, underdogs ADP, I basically am trying to find uh, good targets, aka guys that we're higher on, and decent fades, guys that we're lower on. And you know, this series for a couple of years has been profitable. It's one that I was massively uh, overweight on for Amon Ra last year for Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, we're not going to talk about uh, the Russell Wilson <laughs> issue from last year, but also, you know, players to, to shy away from as well. There's been some good hits. So hopefully this is helpful for you all. The first article is free, as Kyle said. The rest of these are going to be in the DFS pass, uh, you know, as part of the uh, Ultimate Draft Kit Plus. But for the quarterbacks, I want to start us off with a conversation about Daniel Jones, because I feel like we've talked about him on, on the Dynasty show. I poo-pooed on him. You did. You weren't a huge fan. And my rationale for this is like, okay, when you think about the Giants last year, you know, they didn't really have a lot of difference makers. Um, they didn't have a great offensive line. They had a super easy schedule. And Daniel Jones just kind of got there. Like he played all, you know, the full season. He just kind of got there. But when I dug into the numbers, I didn't remember that his rushing upside was as big as it is. He was fifth in the NFL in rushing. He was also fifth in fantasy points from his rushing per game behind only guys like Josh Allen, 
um, Jalen Hurts, you know, those sort of guys, like the elites of the elites, Justin Fields, etc. So you're looking at a guy who's coming off the board at quarterback 14. We've got him quarterback 13, and he's quarterback 12 in the UDK. And when you look at this, the offense was way more aggressive than I remember down the stretch last year. From weeks 1 to 10, they were bottom 5 in pass rate over expectation. And then from weeks, uh, you know, 11 on, they were 15th, which doesn't sound like a huge difference, but that's a massive jump when you look at the overall season. If they put that together on the field and their moves suggest they probably will, you know, they bring in Darren Waller. We're not sure what the wide receiver room is, but they, they attempted to put weapons around Daniel Jones, you know, Paris Campbell. They obviously drafted two years ago, Wanda Robinson, Sterling Shepard's back. They drafted uh, Jalen Hyatt, you know, et cetera, et cetera. These guys may not be elite, but the sum of the parts tell us they're probably going to throw more and be more aggressive, which will lead to more scrambling opportunities for Daniel Jones and, of course, a chance for him to improve on that touchdown total. So where he goes, I love him as part of uh, three QB builds. And when you look at the names kind of going around him, like I'm in on Daniel Jones, man. I think he's a good pick this year and a good bet that he'll probably at least match ADP, if not beat it. The the best part is that you're not having to pay the price that you would for a guy that what finished in the top 10 last year. Like he's going to QB 14 and I'm totally fine with that in three quarterback builds because he gives you spike weeks. He's always been a player since his rookie year that has the spike games. So that's all I care about in a three QB build. Like give me four or five of those. Like you're not asking Daniel Jones, like at the end of the year, I don't care if Daniel Jones is the QB 10, 11, 12. I care if he gives me those spike games and we know with the rushing, he can, uh, he averaged 44 yards on the ground last year. And just to put some numbers to that, that's the same as if another 110 passing yards was added. So like you, you compare him to some of these pocket passers that are going in the same spot. It's like, yes, the pass attempts are low, but like 44 rushing yards a game is massive. Like that's, that's a really big deal. And I don't think he'll repeat 707 uh, rushing touchdowns. Like that combo is pretty rare, but you know, let's say he gets to 500, 550, and then, you know, five on the ground. Like, that's still awesome territory, and I think their pass rate will go up. So I've been targeting more since you brought this up because I like the area. Like, I'm I'm not banking on him. And then you also get the, the ideal backdoor stack, right? Like, you get to come back and say, who do I want to with Daniel Jones? Like, if you, if you don't get Saquon or Darren Waller, you can still go Daniel Jones and double stack him with, I don't know, Slayton, your boy Paris Campbell. Like there's there's a bunch of different options if you want to go late too. So Daniel Jones is one of our quarterbacks to take a stance on. But a little bit later in drafts, this is another quarterback that we've been fading. And it's Aaron Rodgers. Like, I feel like that's a name that people won't want to hear. Cause I think people have been taking him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the hype on Garrett Wilson, deservedly so, is out of control. Everyone loves the idea of Brees Hall. I understand that. But we talked about on the Dynasty show with those AFC headlines, like, are we just, are we ignoring last year with Aaron Rodgers? Like, and I'm not making the comparison that this is what's going to happen, but we made a lot of excuses for Russell Wilson, what was happening in Seattle and saying it's not his fault. You know, uh, it's the coaching staff. They've got to let him cook. And he changed teams and things didn't work out. And sometimes that happens. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying sometimes it does. But when you look at Aaron Rodgers last year, the guy wasn't great. You know, we talked about that uh, with Jason on that show, I believe it was. Talking about, you know, he was the MVP in 2020 and 2021. He was absolutely incredible. But last year, 
it was not great. He had his lowest yards per attempt since 2015, his lowest touchdown total since 2017. He also threw 12 picks. That was his highest mark since uh, 2010. Kyle, I was a senior in high school <laughs> in 2010. So that's how long ago that was. So a lot you know, needs to go right for this to work out with this change. You also look at the team. They've got one of the best defenses in the league. They've got a defensive-minded head coach. Could they run fewer plays, run a slower offense, as Aaron Jones has done historically in Green Bay? And let's not you know forget, there's some guy there named Nathaniel Hackett. And that did not go well in Denver. Now, you might say, okay, Nathaniel Hackett, you know, he has a lot of uh, familiarity with Rodgers going back to their days in Green Bay. I definitely agree with that. He certainly does. But we joke about this. Some of these guys just like stand there and hold the clipboard, right? And Nathaniel Hackett was kind of that guy. Matt LaFleur was calling plays, not Hackett. So we don't know how good of a play caller Nathaniel Hackett is. So I just think at this range, like you don't need Aaron Rodgers to be a big difference maker for your best ball team. That's That's a good point. It's like, where he's going at quarterback 16, I think is totally fine. Like, I'm not against that rank. He could totally end there. Like, last year, Aaron Rodgers finishes a quarterback 13, but he wasn't helpful because he didn't give you the spike games. You look at his TD rates. That's kind of the big conversation for me. 2018, 4.2. 2019, 4.6. And then those two MVP years, his TD rate spiked to 9.1 and 7.0, and then it came back to earth at 4.8. So I hate drafting players hoping that they have an outlier touchdown season at age 40. That just sounds like something I don't want to do in a new environment. Also, if you're if you don't have Garrett Wilson in your lineup, like if you didn't draft him, why go there? Like why try to go there and reach for Rodgers when it's like, yes, you can get Conklin or uh, you know, Lazard or Corey Davis later, but I just feel like there's other quarterbacks that I want on my team. So, at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers is one of those players that I don't think you need like you don't need to have him in best ball so he's going to show up way lower in my exposure rates like I'm going to look right now just so I can make sure that I'm not a dummy but like I've been barely drafting him at all like oh he's on he's in two lineups like so far so it's and like, are both of know, those Garrett Wilson teams I can, I can look back but like that's that's kind of the only time I'm really trying to take him and I'm not reaching for him either so same yep we are going to head right into our, our live draft. Let's go for it. Best ball bonanza. We're kicking off a live draft on underdog and best just posted it. So it is filling up as we speak. You know, there's something about when you get to post something and you know, Hey, this is about to go live on Twitter and, and you know, we're at a point now where they fill up really, really fast. I always get people that said, why didn't you uh, like notify me? I was like, you can sign up for notifications if you want. You can also start your own draft whenever you want. But I feel like people get disappointed when we when we post something and then they don't get in. Like, have you seen the disappointment? I mean, yeah, dude, you got to get the notifications on. That's and, and you want listen to me, people. You want Kyle's notifications. I mean, this guy's Twitter game is just it's top notch. One of the things that I like to do at this point while I'm in a draft and it's about to fill up is I go to our rankings in the Ultimate Draft Kit, Ultimate Draft Kit Plus, and I sort by my rankings first, not Betts's, because, you know, I like to be a little bit ahead of things, ahead of the game. But you can do that. You can actually do that on the app. So I will be drafting with my handy app in front of me. 
you can also take our rankings and you can copy them. You can download them in CSV and you can say, these are players that I want to target. These are players that, you know, I don't want at all. So I actually have a list that I have printed out before and I just wanted a hard copy because that's how I draft and redraft. So you can do all those things. Um, I think the easiest thing for people to do is to copy it and put it in their own spreadsheet, uh, which is really, really easy. You can compare it if you want to look at DraftKings, if you want to look at Underdog ADP, but we have all of those. And for instance, you look at my rankings, I have Jamar Chase as my number one player. Is that a stance where I just am being too cute? Or is that one of those things like, hey, last year I had Justin Jefferson won, this year I'm going to zig just a little bit. It doesn't matter too much to me just because... What? Like, you're supposed to tell the people it does matter. Just because your rankings are wrong. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, just because, like, you know, whenever the field assumes the 1.01 is the correct pick every single time, things go wrong, right? Like, it happened a couple years ago with the Christian McCaffrey thing. It was like, oh, if you have the 1.01, like, you're definitely taking him. And I would say when I had the 1.01, I was taking him 90% of the time. But if you want some exposure to Jamar Chase and you're not getting... You know, when when you're entering a draft and you're not getting the 1.02 where he goes, like taking him over uh, Justin Jefferson, I think is fair. I think Jamar Chase is an incredible candidate to win Offensive Player of the Year this year, if that pass rate hangs up there for uh, for Cincy. So I don't think that's crazy at all. I personally would still take Justin Jefferson, but I definitely get the argument. All right, so the draft's about to get started. I have the 103, and then Betts, you're at the very end. So this will be this is perfect for podcasting. You are the 112. I mean, oh, we could not be fun. dealt a better hand for commenting on this stuff, right? That's great. We we crushed it. Thank you, underdog. It is funny whenever you get in. Some people have some thoughts that like they end up in the same spots over and over again. Do you have that feeling so far this year? Like, oh, I keep ending up in this direction. I feel like I'm always in like the 109 to 110, 11 range. Like I'm always at the back of the first so for, some, for some reason, which I actually don't mind this year because you can double tap some of these elite wide receivers. You can go running back wide receiver and not feel like you're locked into a strategy. So I don't really hate that personally. It's interesting. I've, I tend to think that I end up at like 107, 108 a lot. And I think it's because those stand out the most as like places I don't like drafting. But, uh, but yeah, I'm at the 103 and Whenever I'm at the beginning of the draft, I just hope, I just hope that because Jamar Chase is my number one player that he will drop to me, and he actually did at the 103. So I feel pretty good. You can also, based on this spot, a lot of people on the way back look at T. Higgins. They look at drafting Joe Burrow as a stack, but Jamar Chase on a touchdown site is awesome. Like He finishes the wide receiver 11 last year in only 12 games which looking back at the last five years, that's the fewest amount of games for any player to finish as a wide receiver one. So Jamar Chase will be my pick. Jefferson and McCaffrey went before me. And yeah, Betts, you are at the 112. And I'll get to kind of narrate and say who gets to go in between. But who are you hoping falls to you? Well, I guess we should start by saying this is not a tournament or best ball mania style. So like, I don't feel like we have to correlate week 17 a ton um in this format specifically so usually in those sort of fields like i like targeting some cd and amon Ra correlation that's not unique but i still think you know when you're targeting two wide receiver ones that have a lot of correlation that makes sense so i'm usually looking in this range at a couple of the elite wide receivers uh cd amon Ra. i don't even hate garrett wilson here but oftentimes recently i don't know what it is sometimes i'll see Bijan fall this far 
Sometimes I'll see AJ Brown fall this far. So it just kind of depends on who's there. But usually I'm double tapping the elite wide receivers because we know these running backs that go in round three, four turn, like they're, they're great running back options. And normally that's not the case in the ADP landscape. So after Chase went Tyreek, Cooper Cup, AJ Brown, Stephon Diggs, Austin Eckler, and Bijan Robinson. It's a pretty normal draft uh, with wide receivers being pu- pushed up. I'll, I will say AJ Brown at the 106 is higher than I think I've seen in most drafts, but uh, it's hard to go wrong with the player that finished as wide receiver five last year, and that's where he's being drafted in this draft. So, Betts, you are on the clock. Yes, so we talked about one of these players already. Amon Ra did fall to me, so I'm going to take him here with my first pick. And then I'm looking at a couple other wide receivers. Devontae Adams is still there. Jalen Waddell is there. Garrett Wilson is there. Uh, Elite running backs are there too, like Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor. But as I said, I kind of like double tapping wide receiver. I'm going to take Amon Ra and I'm going to pair him with Garrett Wilson, who we just talked about. Um, I'm a little hesitant to take Garrett Wilson over Devontae Adams, given Devontae's career trajectory and how insanely good he's been and we're projecting Garrett Wilson to be good and to be elite but we talked about some of the concerns with Jimmy G the offense overall so I will roll with Garrett Wilson in this exercise so in these type of leagues where it's just 12 people you're not going up against the field you're going to see a lot of starts at the back end that are wide receiver wide receiver and I tend to not care at all what the combination is you know, like if it's CD and Garrett Wilson or if it's Amon Ra, like you just want to get these two picks right. And I feel like there's a combination of about four or five wide receivers that I like. So, and there's, you're really splitting hairs, right? Like at the end of the day, I'm lower on Devontae Adams for tournament purposes, but in a league like this, it's like, hey, you're going to get a player that's going to a thousand yards. He's always a threat for double digit touchdowns. Um, in tournaments, I have done a couple where just to get different, I put Olave there as my second wide receiver you know, just to get a little ahead of ADP and get different and have a combination in a tournament that's like CD and Alave or uh, Garrett Wilson and Alave, just to just to kind of have that there. But I am almost on the clock, and it it's very tempting when I look at the board because running backs tend to just get pushed down as a whole. So on the board will be you know Saquon's still there; he might get taken, but Tony Pollard, Derrick Henry, Ramondre, Josh Jacobs. Do you have any stance about the running backs in this area of the draft at like the two, three turn? Yeah. So this is kind of the range where I love, I mean, it doesn't happen often, but when Nick Chubb falls there, it's almost an auto pick for me. Uh, I'm very high on Tony Pollard as it stands right now. I do think they add it back. Could it be Zeke? Possibly, but I think he's an awesome pick right now as it stands. These wide receivers that go here feel like somewhat decent fades based off the opportunity cost to take someone like a uh, T Higgins or Devonta Smith in this range. They're just going so much higher than they were last year because of the market and the landscape that I usually want to target one of these running backs here personally. I feel like in a tournament setting, the quarterbacks would be off the board right now, but like I still have Mahomes, Hurts, Allen, and I feel like I don't have to take them at all. So I'm just going to take my highest ranked running back, which is Tony Pollard to pair with Jamar Chase here at the 210. And we'll have a couple more picks before I go again. But it, this is the difference to me in a tournament and in this home league where I think you're going to see teams wait on quarterback more because they're used to, you know, kind of the redraft home, home league type of environment. And you're going to get stacks, of course, but I think people aren't going to force quarterback quite like they do in other ones. 
uh, and it gives me values later on. So I, I try not to reach on quarterback in these kind of 12 person leagues as much. Uh, I play it a little bit more safe. What's interesting is that I almost kind of, I, I don't say I think the opposite because I, I see where you're coming from, but in these 12 man leagues or some of the tournaments that are hard, are easier to get out of, like they're, you know, you don't have to finish as high in your league. I almost think these elite quarterbacks are better for your team because you're saying, look, man, like you're trying to beat me with, you know, Aaron Rodgers and uh, Derek Carr and I've got Josh Allen. Like that just feels insanely beneficial. So I, I kind of like that strategy in these smaller fields. I guess it's just a personal take that we have that's different. Yeah, I I guess I'm the type of person that likes the value of double tapping the quarterbacks in the middle tier, but I do have my highest ranked quarterback on the board at the 303, and that's Josh Allen. So I have Josh Allen ranked as a top 24 player. I don't have Hurts and Mahomes quite as high, and so I will take Josh Allen here, and you might say to yourself, like, hey, you don't have Stephon Diggs. Why are you taking Josh Allen? I don't actually care. In fact, those two haven't had the best in-game correlation when we get to DFS, like later on. The year before, they actually had negative correlation. The games that Diggs blew up, Allen wasn't as big, and it kind of makes sense based on the rushing numbers. So Josh Allen is my number one quarterback. I'm going to look later to pair him with Gabe Davis. Uh, You can look at any of the tight ends. I like Khalil Shakir late. Um, So Josh Allen is one of those players that's like, you said in his home league, like if I'm going to take somebody, it's going to be Josh Allen, and then I don't care. Is it going to be Kenny Pickett or whoever later? I'm totally fine with it. Yep. I get you there. Makes makes a lot of sense. All right. I am almost on the clock here at the 3-4 turn, picks 36 and 37. Um, there's a bunch of guys that are, I feel like are pushed up at wide receiver that usually they're not there. You know, guys like Amari Cooper, uh, Debo Samuel, Calvin Ridley, DeAndre Hopkins kind of go in this range. Uh, but I still need an RB1. <laughs> and I do have Garrett Wilson. So part of me is, let's see if Brees, oh, okay. Brees Hall just went. Never, never mind. This is the fun of the live show. Brees Hall just went off the board. So I'm at a range now where I don't really love the running backs that are kind of going here either. So I'm going to see what happens here as far as ADP value. But I'm going to put in my queue uh, guys like Lamar Jackson, who we've talked about a lot. I'm going to put in my queue Calvin Ridley, who's an ADP value right now currently. So we'll see how it goes. I despise where Lamar Jackson is going this year because he's kind of been our dude. He went right before you. And I feel like everybody's getting a target, whether they have Mark Andrews or not. I feel like he's so hard to get on my teams, but I want him. Well, that was fun. <laughs> Both the guys that I mentioned, I'm, I'm interested in taking Ridley, or sorry, three of them, Hall, Ridley, and Jackson all just go my, my three picks here before me. So it sounds like someone is listening in on this show somehow, Kyle, which I don't love. Um, so that puts me on the clock here at the turn. I'm going to go ahead and select... Uh, Jameer Gibbs, I don't normally take him on underdog because it's a touchdown heavy site, but looking at kind of my correlation here, I've got Amon Ross, so I'm betting on the Lions offense. What could go wrong? I'll take him. And a player that I don't actually normally take a lot in this spot, uh, just given how difficult it is to, you know, see who it's going to be week to week. Ayuk has some weeks, Kittle has some weeks, but Debo has fallen into the fourth round at this point, and that's a spot where I'm okay buying into some potential upside because when you think about last year like he was pushed up as a second round pick was it somewhat easy fade so i'm okay to take him in round four i'm almost always just taking debo though only when he goes after adp all right let's take a quick break and we'll be right back 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! All right, we're back in the fourth round. After bets took Debo Samuel, it's Christian Watson, Najee Harris on the board. I'm getting in my fourth round pick, and my team's pretty balanced. I have Josh Allen, Tony Pollard, Jamar Chase. But based on this build, I will probably be waiting on tight end uh, because I know I'm going to have two quarterbacks, and I probably want to maybe pair him late with like a Dawson Knox or whoever. So I'm going to probably go to town on wide receiver here in the next couple of rounds to get me some, you know, three or four guys that I feel super comfortable with. And it's kind of nice being on the opposite side of the board from you. Cause like, we're just not going to have any of the same guys available to us, which is the humbling part of best ball. There are certain sides of the draft. It's like, I will never like me having Jamar chase at the one of three. It's like, okay, I can kiss Garrett Wilson. I'm on raw. Those guys are not going to be on my team. And you kind of just have to adjust that way. Like, okay, those guys will never intermingle together. Yep. And that's why I, you talked about maybe kind of reaching a little bit here and there when it makes sense just to get different unique player combinations. That's something I would not do in this sort of style where it's just 12 teams, but I get the argument for doing that sort of stuff to some degree. You know, you don't want to go crazy with it um, in these large field tournaments. All right. So we had Jerry Judy, Terry McLaurin, Travis Etienne, Drake London, DeAndre Hopkins, and Joe Burrow go right before me, which was great because my wide receiver, highest on my board right now, still available at the at pick 46, is big Mike Willie. He's a, we've always been a big fan. He is the quote-unquote better in best ball type of play, and I'm ready to get hurt again by the Chargers. I'm sure people that want to take Justin Herbert are probably mad that I have Mike Williams on my team. I was going to say that. You can see that pick coming from a mile away. If anyone knows anything about Kyle and I, there was... Not a chance. Mike Williams is falling after Kyle's pick there. One pick I did want to ask your question or ask a question to you about is Travis Etienne. I feel like the steam on Tank Biz- Bigsby is getting pretty noticeable. Like he's up a couple rounds, and I've seen Travis Etienne in the last week fall somewhat consistently into round four. What are your thoughts on Etienne as a round four pick, where he used to go in round three? Yeah, when his ADP was like thirty five, thirty six, I was off, and I was taking a lot of Bigsby. I don't mind him where he's going. I hope, I hope they use him more in the passing game. Like that's kind of been the most curious thing about ETN because in college, him and Lawrence had that connection. Last year, he was targeted on like 12% of his routes. It was like one of the worst marks among all qualifying running backs. So I wish I could say, there's just so many dudes there. And a lot of times I'll ask the question, like, is there, you know, are there too many mouths to feed here? And that's an offense where I genuinely think it could end up where Ridley and Kirk end up as wide receiver twos. Ingram's like the tight end, I don't know, tight end like five or six. 
ETN ends up as like a top 15 running back and you're like, okay, did anybody really hit the value that you want? It could be a good offense and you end up just being like, okay, everyone was fine. So that's kind of where I've been. I'm on the clock right now and I have a player that's inside my top 40 that I've probably been taking too much of and I need you, I'm going to take him right here. It's Aaron Jones as my RB2 at pick 51. Am I a bit high on Aaron Jones where you were on board last year? Like you, I was. you were with I me. I was on board. What happened, dude? It didn't work. It didn't work out very well. But you talked about on a previous show just the obvious touchdown regression coming for him. So I understand that. I just am. I guess I don't know what to do. Right? Like no one knows. The Packers don't even know how good Jordan Love can be. But when you look at the skill position group, like it's rookie tight ends, it's Christian Watson who's entering year two, and then it's rookies, right? Like kind of behind him and around him. So. I think he's going to be a focal point of the offense. I think AJ Dillon's going to get more touches this year. If if Jordan Love isn't this guy that they can rely on for you know thirty five attempts per game, like they're going to have to ride these two backs. So I do understand where you're coming from. It's just I think there's more systemic risk with the Packers this year. One of the things I've noticed so far in this draft, we are in round five, and none of the quarterbacks are stacked yet. None of them. So like Lamar's not stacked. Herbert's not stacked. That was just taken. Fields is not stacked. Joe Burrow's not stacked. I have Josh Allen not been stacked yet. Patrick Mahomes is not stacked and Jalen Hurts. So that's usually not something that we would say, but there's backdoor options that I think are available for everybody. But that's kind of interesting, right? Like that's, that's not something you usually see. No, for sure. And there was a couple wide receivers I was hoping to take and maybe get a quarterback with these next few picks. It just didn't work out. Uh, so I'm kind of in that same boat where I'm not sure I'll be able to pull off the stacks that I want. Uh, but that being said, I'm on the clock, uh, and the two wide receivers that were in my queue (laughs) were Tyler Lockett and Deontay Johnson. They are gone. So I'm looking at a couple running backs here, a couple wide receivers. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is in range. I've talked about him, but I don't have any of his like top guys. So I'm going to lean away from Lawrence right now. Uh, I am going to take Alexander Madison as my RB2 here at the 5-6 turn. Nice. Uh, obviously, we've talked about him. Uh, I like that. And then let's see what's going on here at wide receiver. So I've got options like Jackson Smith and Jigba, Mike Evans, Jordan Addison, uh, Traylon Burks, uh, Michael Pittman is here, Gabe Davis, those kind of names. I don't normally take JSN in this range. I think he's a little overvalued in the market. But a lot of times in these tournaments, he goes four or five picks before Tyler Lockett. Whereas when Jackson Smith and Jigba falls to round six, which I understand at the turn, like the ADPs are a little messed up here, but he is a round six selection. I think that's fine. And we talked about, uh, you know, a lot on the show and in the article that I just wrote, I'm high on Gino. I'm high on the passing attack for Seattle. So I'll take JSN here with my sixth pick. I have actually been taking way more JSN recently than I thought. You know, the stat I kept using was like, okay, he's one of the highest drafted uh, rookie wide receivers in best ball history. What if he's just that dude who just forces himself on the field? Like, I think the way that we think about it is like, oh, well, he's clearly behind Metcalf and Lockett, and I think he hasn't proven anything yet. But all this guy's done is proven that he can force himself on the field against awesome NFL athletes, right? Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams. He's kind of always been that dude. And I've found that almost every single draft, I want to leave with a Seattle player because I think they're affordable enough. I love DK. I haven't ranked as wide receiver one. I love Lockett always. This is a Lockett podcast. You're a Lockett guy forever, right? 
Dude, he's in the top, I think, five right now for me in exposure, and that's kind of been the case for like three years in a row. I know. So I am I'm very much a Tyler Lockett guy. Yeah, and I think of the running backs, like I'm totally fine taking either of them. And then we love Geno. Like I have Geno ranked as a quarterback one. So Seattle, I just want Seattle players on my teams. And JSN, if I'm going to get exposure, I, I've been softening on my stance. I used to say that's too high of an ADP. Now I just see the other wide receivers in that range. It's like, yes, Pity City's great, but what is the actual ceiling with a rookie quarterback? You know, Traylon Burks. Another example, it's like, what is the ceiling in a low-volume offense with potentially a rookie quarterback? So I'm, yeah, JSN is somebody that's climbing my exposures, and I'm totally fine where you took him. And I think, by the way, just to real quick talk about uh, Seattle, I think they will go with three more three wide wide receiver sets, excuse me, I can't talk, than they have recently. Because like you said, you spend a first-round pick on this guy. He's not just there to rotate you know, in and out. He's going to play a bunch, I think. So I've kind of warmed up to him, like you said. All right, it's very tempting right here. I'm at pick 70, the end of the sixth round. George Kittle's been sitting here. He's 10 picks past ADP, but I'm not going to take him. I need to build out my wide receiver room. So I took Jahan Dotson, your boy from Penn State, who Andy, on Thursday show, has him ranked as his 20th wide receiver. That's wild considering he's going as wide receiver 40 on underdog. Is that is that too hot for your Penn State Nittany Lion? I mean, the signs that he's a good player are there, but that's a big-time projection that Sam Howell is great or Jacoby Brissett from last year wasn't a fluke. And there's a lot of data in Jacoby Brissett's career that says last year may have been a fluke. I'm not not sure, but that is a a pretty hefty projection. That's definitely a hot take. I think for me, Kittle was tempting. He's been my boy in the past, and I'm much lower this year. But falling past ADP... Anybody that's a big name, you're like, oh, I I want this player on my team. But based on my build, I have Josh Allen. I know that I'm going to have two quarterbacks in this build. I am pretty much going to say, if I took Kittle there, then I could afford a two tight end build. But I think what I'm going to do is just punt off tight end in this build and just say, I need to build out my wide receiver room. So instead of taking Kittle there and hoping that I can do that, I have Gabe Davis, who... I think you and I are totally fine with that as ADP this year, right? Like it's so different than when we were taking him in the third or fourth round. You know, I get him in the mid seventh and I get to pair him with Josh Allen. So Gabe Davis is my wide receiver four and I I have the boomer bust boys, right? Mike Williams, Gabe Davis, like that's all you need in best ball. That's what we're here for, man. These, uh, these big play type of guys that certainly can give you those spike weeks and you know, when Josh Allen has a big game, like you said, it's because he's throwing, or I shouldn't say it's because of that, but I should say the reverse. When Gabe Davis has a big game, he's catching these big bombs from Josh Allen. The correlation is obviously there, and the price to get him is much different than it was last year. And when you look in this range, we talked about this on the ADP landscape, like wide receiver talent and quality falls off a cliff, like after pick, you know, 100, pick 90-ish, somewhere in that range. Like Gabe Davis is going to be playing 90% of the snaps, for a Bills offense that we love. So that makes a lot of sense. He also had the ankle issue last year, which definitely I think could have hurt his efficiency. This range is also where a lot of the tight ends go off the board. And I think people, I think people just wait and then they, they get to the sixth round and they go, Hey, I I'm seeing Dallas Goddard, uh, George Kittle, Kyle Pitts, TJ Hawkinson, uh, just sitting there. And when they get past ADP, it gets to be tempting, but TJ Hawkinson is still zero percent in my exposures I just don't want any part of it uh and but it's also based on my build so 
a player that went off the board. I picked 78. I got to give some props to Steel Dion one is Dave Montgomery, who you and I will have a ton of this year. And I keep taking ahead of ADP and I keep queuing him up, hoping that he'll be there. And I feel like people are on to David Montgomery right now. So was he queued up for you at all? Uh, ironically, he was, even though I already have. Oh, you already have lines. Sorry. But, but even that, like, I'm okay taking both. Like, the way Jameer Gibbs, Gibbs gets there is he catches a ton of passes. And when you look at this wide receiver room, it's not hard to, to see that happening. And the way David Montgomery gets there is he scores 10 touchdowns. And sure, you might be taking, you know, uh, you might be taking less than ideal optimal construction in that scenario. But if the offense rolls and they score a ton of touchdowns, I think it's possible that both guys can certainly pay off their ADP. So I really don't mind it. I've kind of warmed up to that idea. I am on the clock now. And two quarterbacks that I was hoping one of them would fall were Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Puts me in a range where I've got uh, two running backs, Jameer Gibbs, Alexander Madison, and four wide receivers. I don't normally take Kadarius Toney, but he is about 12 picks after ADP. Gives me access to hopefully some upside, although the downside is just massive with Kadarius Toney. So I will admit that. But I'm going to take Kadarius Toney here at the turn. And there's not a quarterback that I'm looking at. There's not really a tight end that I'm looking at here in the early 80s. Uh, so I'm back to the wide receiver room, I guess. And I am going to snag Brandon Cooks here at this pick. Um, I think this is a good chance, too, when I think about what's coming next in the draft. There's a chance that Dak is available. We talked about maybe fading the narrative that they're going to be super run-heavy with, with their team, right? Like They don't have the horses to really be a, a run-heavy team right now. We don't know how good Malik Davis is. Ronald Jones has been Ronald Jones and Tony Pollard has never really had that workload. So I think they're going to throw more than the general public thinks gives me access to some of that passing attack. So let me ask you about your build right now, because you went to town, you have six wide receivers and two running backs. So, you know, are you at all worried about fine? I mean, you'll find late stacking options, but this is a team that it seems like you're committed to three quarterbacks and probably three tight ends. Possibly. We'll see if these uh, these couple tight ends make it to me. I know that you're high on Pat Fryermuth, and I know that you'll take him if he's there before me, but he's a guy I'd feel comfortable with as a two-tight uh, end build, potentially. Um, David Njoku is a guy I'd feel comfortable with, two-tight end build. So just kind of depends on what's there, but I don't really mind the three-tight end builds this year just because of the fact that these round 17, 18 guys, like they're all going to be playing 80-plus percent of snaps, running a ton of routes, and it's hard to... It's hard to take a zero when you take these tight ends. Like Hunter Henry's going to be out there. Mike Kosicki's going to be out there. Kate Otten, we talked about that. You know, those sort of names. Like, there there are worse round 18 picks. In the end of the eighth round, there's some running backs that tend to pile up because I think people don't know what to do with them. Dalvin Cook just went at pick 90, and I need to give you my professional advice. No idea what to do with Dalvin Cook right now in a draft. I'm just avoiding. Um, yes, you could probably hit it out of the park, but... I'm avoiding there Isaiah Pacheco, Rashad White, Javante Williams, Alvin Kamara. Like those feel like no man's land picks and I'm on the board and Pacheco is now 10 picks after ADP. Do you have a certain lean on those running backs? Because I have like four or five that I like and it's just hard. They're kind of all in the same category. Yeah, this feels like the new dead zone where you can poke so many holes in these guys like uh, Pacheco's fine. You know, but like he needs to have touchdowns to be a an incredible pick. 
and they're not going to stop throwing in the red zone or in the in the 10 zone with Pat Mahomes. So it's hard to see it in that scenario. And then, you know, guys like James Conner, like the Cardinals are going to be terrible. Javante Williams has that, you know, huge knee issue. Like, so there's, this is the zone where I don't feel comfortable. So I'm usually taking wide receiver, quarterback, uh, or tight end, and then hoping to snag like the next tier. Guys like A.J. Dillon, Zach Charbonnet, um, you know, P. Ryan, like those sorts of names are, are guys that I normally target. Yeah, I, I basically, for podcasting purposes, just pushed it down the road because I'm like, I can't figure out who I like of those running backs. So I took Elijah Moore because he was also past the ADP, and I like him a lot more than those running back options. We're about to hit the ninth round. So, and this ninth round is brought to you by, we need to come up with a fake sponsor, like of this ninth round. That's that's the <laughs> normally, best part about... Normally you have those queued up and ready to go. So I was just waiting for you to drop it there. Uh, Dockers, just real plain oh, Dockers. Oh, yes, sir. This is a terrible round. And, but I, there was a stage in my life where I wore some Dockers and I, you know, I would say I looked pretty good in them, but... <laughs> It doesn't look good right now in the ninth round. Would you people. say that, Kyle? Would you say that? <laughs> uh, you know, I I wouldn't say I dress very formally, but when I had to, I wore my Dockers because that's what you do as like a you know middle school kid that you have to dress up for an event. You're like, <laughs> oh, my parents bought me Dockers. I can 100 percent relate to that. So, talk to me about these running backs here. Uh, I like Zach Charbonnet, but it feels like I'm trying to hit a home run with him. Uh. Javante Williams still don't know what to do with him and Antonio Gibson do you have a certain lean on those three or do you just want one of them to come back to you I mean I don't want to tell you who I want because I would like for one of these guys to come back to me but you know that my general take in the strategy is I like having guys on my team that if something goes right they are a best ball winning type of pick meaning if Ken Walker gets injured Zach Charbonnet should be a third round pick in this landscape something like that so I love swinging for the fences with those sort of guys. I decided to go to the ranks because I do have my own ranks, and Zach Charbonnet is ranked slightly ahead of Antonio Gibson in my in my life. But Gibson is one of those players where I feel like I could bank on some receptions. Um, I already have Jahan Dotson on this team, but I'm just buying into the Seattle offense, like you mentioned. Like I think he's going to have a role. I'm not counting on him as my RB3, but this is the kind of range where I love adding Gibson, Charbonnet, Samaje Pirine, uh, you can get them in this spot and you're not counting on them, but there's upside to them. So in the ninth round, it's heading your way. Juju Smith-Schuster, A.J. Dillon just went off the board. It's kind of hard to say this is who I'm... Oh, the Muth just went. Sorry, Betts. Yep, he was in my queue and so was Dak Prescott who just went. So this is fun. This is a very fun exercise for me. Right? I'm just taking players that I don't even want to because all my guys are gone. Sad times if you're me, but we talked about the uh, the you know kind of running back tier that's here. Names that I like. There's P. Ryan still available. There's Antonio Gibson who we talked about. You know I've been super low on Javante Williams, but when he falls ten plus spots after ADP, I get that. So he's in the range. But we also talked about you know quarterback play matters a lot, and being able to snag someone that has the ability to give you spike weeks in this range is important. And it's tough to find that later in the draft. So I'm going to snag Daniel Jones. We talked about him already on the show as my QB one. And I'm going to also snag a third quarterback or excuse me, third running back here. Uh, I'm going to take Samaje P Ryan to pair with Gibbs and Alexander Madison. Nice. Yeah. Daniel Jones was somebody that 
I'm, we mentioned earlier in the show, but I, I've had him queued up more because of the flexibility it gives me. Like if he's your quarterback, like, you know, he's your quarterback one, but you're not really thinking about him that way of carrying your team, right? Like you're thinking, I'm going to have three quarterbacks with this build and I only need four to five weeks. So you've got some other stacking options that I'm assuming you're queuing up. Like we're on different sides of the board, but like, you know, are you looking at Jared Goff, QB 17? Like, is that somebody that you really want to pair with Gibbs and Amon Ra? Yeah, I'm already betting on the offense, so it's like I might as well attack on Jared Goff. What could go wrong? So he's in my queue for later in the draft. Um, and then because, you know, I have Daniel Jones, I'm looking at a couple of his guys that go later, uh, potentially Wandale, Paris Campbell, Isaiah Hodgins, guys like that. Um, and then, you know, I've got Debo. So if I really need to take Brock Purdy later on, I can. Uh, did you see the report, Kyle, from Shefty recently that he was on the Pat McAfee show and he was talking about the quarterbacks? He was saying that Sam Darnold is likely the leader in the clubhouse for the QB2 job. What are your thoughts on Trey Lance later? Because I haven't taken him once this year. I've taken him once, and it will just burn to the ground. It's like I think he was like my Q- QB3, so I didn't really care. But it's sad. It's sad when you invest that level of scouting and draft capital and money. And I think he's still going to get a chance in the league, but it's the writings on the wall that the 49ers are just done. It seems like the players are ready to move on. Now. I don't think Purdy is per se the answer. Like I, I like, I think there's so much projection that still has to happen. We gave the stat on the main show yesterday. Purdy had five starts as a seventh rounder. Okay. Five starts. That's more than all the seventh-round rookie quarterbacks combined over the last decade. So it's like he's an anomaly, and you can't really predict what he's going to be moving forward. You can say that maybe he's just the sum of all the parts of his offense, and you can be fine with that. You can trust Kyle Shannon. But at some point, this guy just has to be good at football, and I'm still not sure about that. I'm still not sure. At the end of the 10th round, there's a bunch of names that I never click. Brian Robinson, I haven't clicked his name once. His efficiency numbers were terrible. I'm going to always take Antonio Gibson. So he wasn't there. Sky Moore, Zay Jones, Khalil Herbert, Elijah Mitchell. Like, is it okay if I hate this range? Yeah, this range is gross. (laughs) It gets gross really quick, uh, and I'm with you. So I, you know, usually in this range, like the 110-ish to like 125 range. I'm just looking at my teams, especially in tournament settings, like what correlates here, what makes sense as a stack, stuff like that, because the player takes in this range is just, it's rough. It kind of feels like this range and and the 12th round are just filled with with potential guys that aren't going to do anything for your team. I took Michael Gallup at the end of the 10th round is give me a boom week or two. Um, And I also think he's going to be healthy, like medically, do you feel like, okay, we didn't get the full version of Michael Gallup last year, right? Like, I need I need this advice, Bets. He's going to be okay, right? <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell me he's going to be good. Yes, I think he'll be much healthier this year. The, it was an easy fade last year when, you know, he was having surgery in January, coming off the injury, having nine months to try to get to 100% was really not ever going to happen. So I think that there is a better chance that he is, he is healthier this year. But the signing of Brandon Cooks I feel like has to give you some pause as to maybe what they think of Michael Gallup now they did pay him a ton of money a couple of years ago so like financially he's there it's just that 
you know, the projection with CD Lamb being the alpha and Brandon Cook. So I, th- I think still has some left in the tank. Um, one of those guys might lose out. So we're at the top of the 11th round and at tight end, I haven't really taken anyone yet. I know that this team is probably going to be a three tight end build. And I have Chigakonkwo, who's my boy, and Dalton Kincaid on the same roster. Or on the, like, I have the opportunity to take either of them. Dalton Kincaid is someone that you and I have faded at his ADP. I have Josh Allen. The stack would have made a lot of sense, but I went with Chig. What game theory wise would you choose to do there? Because I, in the back of my mind, I know I have Dawson Knox if I want to get him later. And I'm just so weary about how they're going to use Dalton Kincaid. So I don't know. Did you have a lean there? Like, I feel like I could have gone either way. I would have been totally fine with Kincaid or Okonkwo, but I chose Okonkwo because I think he's just more athletic and he can actually like hit a higher ceiling. Like it's just hard for me to trust a rookie tight end. For sure. And I will say, since we talked about him last, he's dropped a full round. So now I kind of understand the upside, but he was going almost at like pick 112, 113. That was sort of egregious. He's kind of back in the 120s, uh, a less of a risk to take him. But I think about the situation with Buffalo. Like they didn't really make an aggressive move for DeAndre Hopkins. They kind of have this group of like Deontay Hardy, Khalil Shakir that could like maybe be the wide receiver three. I think we're going to see a lot of two tight end sets this year from Buffalo because you've got Diggs, you've got Gabe Davis. You know, Dawson Knox has paid a lot of money. He's boys with Josh Allen. He's going to be out there. And Kincaid can kind of be this inline slash move hybrid tight end. So I think he'll be out there. But you need touchdowns to pay it off. So it's just kind of a risky pick. I'm really hoping that because people listen to our podcast and they heard that we don't like Dalton Kincaid, that he just makes it all the way back around to me because everyone just passes on him. But the end of the 11th round, Jared Goff is off the board. I feel bad for you. I feel like your spot has been not kind at all being at the 12th spot. No, and I hate my team, (laughs) if I'm being honest. (laughs) So we're at a point now where like, if I pass again on quarterback... I'm forced into this Derek Carr, Kenny Pickett, Stafford range. So I'm going to actually take Russ. Take the stack, have, brother. I do have Samaje P. Ryan. And I'm going to actually just go ahead and take my tight end one. Just correlate with Denver. I'll take Greg Dulcich uh, a few spots ahead of ADP, but get the correlation there. And let's hope that Russ isn't terrible <laughs> anymore. Yeah. I So Greg D was somebody I had queued up. I would have loved if he came back to me. But what could go wrong? You have a Broncos stack, but... Let me give you a hot stat with Greg D. Over the last decade, here are the rookie tight ends to average 40 receiving yards per game before turning 23 years old. Kyle Pitts, Greg D, end of list over the last decade. And Kyle Pitts is, was basically irrelevant last year. So, so are you telling me Greg Dulcich is not going to be a good pick this year? No, what I'm trying to tell you is that that bar is super low. 40 yards is like me <laughs> trying to say something super impressive about Greg D. But um, I think I like where he's going, and I like that you got to stack him there. Like, you know that I'm higher on Russ this year. Um, and I genuinely, I, I, I there's some jokes with Russ, but like as a QB2, there's so much upside with him, with the offense, and I like the way that you got the stack. So it's not ideal considering you had those Detroit players and you had Jared Goff uh, queued up. But man, like I like that setup for your team. Like I like that you have Daniel Jones, Russell Wilson, and you'll probably find somebody else. I don't know, like Desmond Ritter. No, you won't do that. Oh, Desmond guy. He's 
Round 18 Desmond Ritter is going to be what you need this year. But in all seriousness, I do think he can pay off that tag if Atlanta is just good and goes over their win total and rolls. So I don't hate it. But I don't have any Falcons, so I'm betting against the Falcons with this build. Um, as far as those three QB builds, though, is like who I would target later. Like, you can get a Jordan Love stack with someone like uh, Jaden Reed. You can take, you know, Kenny Pickett if you got one of his guys. You can get Stafford, Van Jefferson, um, those sorts of names. But uh, I'm in a position where I'll probably be scrambling here a little bit to try to make up a three QB stack. Yeah, it's tough for me, too, where, you know, I'm, I, I don't need to put that much stock into my quarterback position uh, because, you know, I have Josh Allen. That's I'm counting on him, you know, 75, 80% of the time. But I am starting to look at my team and go, my stacking options are a bit limited. So I'm just sorting by which quarterback I like the most. And I have a couple of stacking options. Uh, it's at the end of the 12th round, 142nd pick. And my favorite running back on the board, and I like him for, you know, builds where he can go as my RB4 is Tank Bigsby because of the steam he's been getting. Do you think he's going too high now? Like before you get him two rounds later, but I took him at the end of the 12th round. No, I think it's fine there. You know, when you're talking about this range anyway, like there's a lot of names and, and guys that you can certainly see a ton of downside for. Uh, Adam Thielen, you know, Romeo Dobbs could lose his starting job over the course of the year to Jaden Reed. Uh, KJ Osborne's going to be a guy that's only out there in three wide receiver sets, most likely with Jordan Addison. So uh, it's it's a range where I definitely am okay with Tank Bigsby still in that spot. I've been taking him quite a bit just because there's so much contingent upside, but there's also a chance he potentially works into you know, a 10, 11, 12 touch sort of role behind Travis Etienne. So I certainly don't hate that pick at all. There's also a log jam of tight ends at this spot uh, when you get to like the 13th, 14th round and people kind of wait on who they're stacking with. But like I'm going with a three tight end build and right now at the top of the board, you could get Dalton Schultz, uh, full 10 picks later, Cole Komet, Tyler Higby, Irv Smith. It's, it's, man, this is tough because I like I like these players, but I probably won't be able to stack. So I'm just going to take the player that I think will be on the field most, Tyler Higby. It's right at ADP, so it's it's not the sexiest pick, but I know that I'm trying to build out my tight end room. So last couple of picks, Khalil Herbert, Alec Pierce, Donovan Peoples-Jones, 13th round. How do you like, or what's your strategy for you right now? You're at two quarterbacks, three running backs, six wide receivers, and one tight end. Like, are you still scooping up wide receiver values? Or do you feel like, hey, I pretty much knocked that out of the park? Yeah, because I took so many early, and this is kind of what we talk about in best ball, you know, just from a high-level standpoint, you draft as if you're correct. And so if I took six wide receivers early, I took, uh, you know, five of them in the first, what, 85 picks or something? Like, you're betting on those guys to be your score most weeks. So to just keep doubling down and taking more wide receivers, it's, there's a chance that I'll be too weak at running back or tight end. So I'm going to probably cool off on wide receiver unless there's an obvious name that falls to me that I really like or it makes sense as a stack. So personally, I'll probably make this a seven wide receiver build. I don't think I need to go overboard with like nine or ten. How many people have tried to break their phone or the computer when you see somebody take the quarterback for their stack and you, you're like, oh, they must have had, you know, this wide receiver on their team. And you look at their team, you're like, why? Why would you take this quarterback? <laughs> way ahead of ADP. Why are you doing with, that to me? <laughs> with no stacking options. Like it's yeah. 
at this point in the draft, it's wild to me. I get it earlier. You know, like I see people they'll take, I don't know, Justin Herbert or, you know, if you want to take Justin Fields and you're not going to pair him with DJ Moore, I'm totally fine with that. Just go later with Darnell Mooney or somebody else. But like the quarterback that gets sniped from your team that has no stacking options is drives me bonkers. And I will say in a 12-team league, it's not the end of the world. In tournaments, if you are the person doing that, like you might think like, well, you know, I'm just, I'm, I got this guy. Like I'm not letting him get the stack. You're also not getting the stack, right? So like it's not going to help you either. So it actually hurts your advance rate. So yes, it is annoying, but it does happen. I'm back on the clock at the turn. We talked about the two quarterbacks. I've, ha- I've got a ton of wide receivers. This is the range I don't really love for wide receiver anyway. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and double tap running back here because I'm at the point where I need kind of this. I need some guys to give me some usable weeks. And Roshan Johnson is here. He's in an offense that we think is going to run the ball a ton. We don't know who the running back one is, so there's some risk involved. But I'll take a shot on the rookie that maybe he can emerge over the course of the year. And I'll also throw onto this team uh, Devin Singletary, who we've talked about. Maybe he eats into the workload for uh, Damian Pierce more than other people think still not going to be a great offense so it's kind of a low upside pick but I'm at a point now where like if I pass on these two running backs and I get to round 16 17 like it's insanely thin for running back so I will take those two Roshan Johnson and Devin Singletary it's wild because I thought you were going to say Jerome Ford or as I like to call him Uncle Jerome he's somebody that I've been taking way more in this range as I'm not counting on him but there's upside. Clearly, they're going to need somebody to take the you know 150 plus opportunities that Kareem Hunt had, and he seems like the clear guy. So I don't know. I like Jerome Ford a little bit better. And did me saying that give you any buyer's remorse? Did I make you feel bad? Not necessarily. I do think the offense is going to be a lot better. So if you're betting on an offense, like certainly I would take Jerome Ford in that scenario. But at the same time, like Jerome Ford, I think we can say with. I don't know, what would you say? 85 to 90% confidence. He's the RB2. Like it's been that way in the reports. He's been running in that in minicamp. But there's also a chance they give him the opportunity and he just isn't good. Like he hasn't really Whoa. gotten the football at all in his in his time. So I get the pick. Um, but chasing him now to round 13 when he was around 18 pick, you know, just a month ago seems a little sketchy. I don't mind it in this type of environment in a 12 yeah, league. Yeah, I agree. Uh, um, And he somehow made it all the way back to me about 10 picks later past ADP. So he's the one I have queued up. And I think with Jerome Ford as my RB5, I'm going to be done with running back. Um, Fun fact about Jerome Ford, he was at the University of Alabama and then transferred to Cincinnati. So he's, you know, you can put him in the Alabama group. He also has some kick return ability, which I think translates to this. So my running back room is Tony Pollard, Aaron Jones, Zach Charbonnet, Tank Bigsby, and Jerome Ford. Do you think that's enough running backs, or do I need one more based on this build? Uh, run down your the rest of your roster. How many quarterbacks and wide receivers do you have? I have Josh Allen, so I'm going to you know take somebody else late with, with Josh Allen. My wide receivers, I'm going to keep building out, but I have Jamar Chase, Mike Williams, Jahan Dotson, Gabe Davis, Elijah Moore, Michael Gallup, and then I got Chig the Goat and Tyler Higby so far. So you're probably looking at a three tight end build. I think you could go either way. I think if, if someone falls, it's obvious you could snag them, but I don't think you looking at your team, you're like, I have to get, you know, X number of running backs. I think you're kind of in a good spot where you can just let the board fall to you and be flexible. 
I, I'm struggling, though, to find that second quarterback. Maybe I'm stressing out too much because I have Josh Allen. But quarterbacks have kind of gotten snagged right now. Like, the only guys left, Brock Purdy, C.J. Stroud, Sam Howell, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. Like, it's it's really difficult to find somebody that I think has any upside. Sam Howell's gone. I mean, part of me wants to just make sure I get a second quarterback, but ADP-wise, I can wait another round. So I think that's what I'm probably going to do is wait. I hope C.J. Stroud makes it back to me because I'd be totally fine with him as my QB2. I mean, there's no, there's nobody else what, that I feel good about. What could go wrong? Saying the phrase, I hope C.J. Stroud makes it back to me. He's the difference maker I need on this team. Yes. Oh, so Sam Howell, the, that's early. 169 for Sam Howell. I know, and I'm looking at the roster, and they just got Curtis Samuel, so maybe they wanted a mini stack, but that that's definitely an interesting pick. I had a question. I have Dawson Knox queued up. Cole Komet's way past ADP. And Taysom Hill's also there. So there's a lot of tight end value right here that I think could be there, but I'm just going to stay with the plan, go with Dawson Knox so I get to pair him with Josh Allen. Uh, Cole Komet is just sitting on the board. Nobody wants Cole Komet, despite what he did last year. 50 catches, over 500 yards, seven touchdowns. I mean, have you drafted Cole Komet? I took him once when he was about a round and a half after ADP, and I had Justin Fields. But, I mean, people, if they're looking at this and using our ranks, they're not going to get a lot of Cole Komet. That said, if he's falling to me at this pick, like I'll probably take him. I mean, 30 spots past ADP is fine. Uh, I have him inside my top 180, so that <laughs> is fine. But when you look at where he is, you know, 145, like he'll be in my tight ends article where he's a fade. Just because like it's a high volume rushing attack, low volume passing attack. And Justin Fields rushing is going to take a lot from his wide receivers. If DJ Moore is commanding a 25% target share or higher in that offense, and Cole Komet isn't really a yardage guy, like he needs seven, eight, nine touchdowns to pay it off. And Robert Tanyan, like people laugh when I bring that up, but like he's probably gonna have a couple red zone uh, catches. Remember the Jimmy Graham year where he was just old and like out there stealing some work from Cole Komet, like that could certainly happen. So I am out on Cole Komet at ADP, but I get it when he falls this far. He finally went to pick 174. Good for him. And I will say those uh, those Jimmy Graham years were super fun in Footballer's World because any chance I would get, I would just bury him in our show doc to put as many many jokes about how Jimmy Grandpa's already passed on from this life, that you know he's in the retirement home and... He's in a body pack, whatever it is. But Jimmy Graham, he stayed alive a lot longer than I thought he would. Yeah, you really were were trying to get him out of here, just trying to nudge him to the side for years, and he just kept hanging around, which was super annoying for fantasy, but made for great content on the show, which is obviously the most important thing. I am back up on the clock here at the turn for rounds 15 and 16. And you're not going to believe this, Kyle, but I had Isaiah Hodgins and Paris Campbell in my queue as a stack with Daniel Jones. Those guys are gone. So... I'm kind of back at a spot here where I'm in no man's land. I'm going to snag Brock Purdy, I guess, as my QB3. I do have Debo, so I'll snag my stack and be done with quarterback, even though I don't love it. This is just kind of the range that we're at. So I'm done with QB. This team could certainly use another tight end. I've only got one. Uh, but I also need a running back. And I think in this next couple of range, like I can get... I can get a wide receiver that I can tack on if I want to, like a Darius Slayton super late. 
Um, I can also snag a couple tight ends that are, are going there that we know these tight ends. They're they're good round 17, 18 picks because they're going to be on the field. So I'm going to save my tight end pick. I'm going to take Kenneth Gainwell to round out my running back core. That's interesting because I've been looking at Gainwell over the last couple of weeks. I took him in a draft recently where I wasn't counting on him. But what is his role going to be for the Eagles this year? Because with Swift and Penny brought in, it's like, oh, well, the thinking can be they brought in those guys because they don't feel comfortable with Gainwell, but playoff Kenny was awesome. Like he was really good in the playoffs when we played a lot in DFS. I mean, what is he going to have more than like a, I don't know, six, seven touch per game role? Or is Honestly, just no hoping- one knows. No one okay. knows. But when you look financially at how they're committed to these guys, like, you know, Rashad Penny is not making any money. And so if an injury happens in camp or something like I don't think it's the craziest thing to envision him taking a back seat to these guys and or uh, getting cut. And I think that's a very low likelihood, but I think it is in the realm of possibility. Um, and Swift, like certainly I think he's a very talented back. I think he is the best talent on the team as far as explosiveness and playmaking with the ball in his hands. But there's a reason Detroit moved on, right? And, and we don't know what happened behind the scenes or or what it is, but he also hasn't stayed healthy in his career, and maybe that's an issue again. So I think Kenneth Gamewell is fine where he goes. Obviously, he's never going to give you 20 touches in a game, but if he gives you touches as a receiver and or a couple goal line scores, makes a lot of sense. Sam Laporta is another player that we kind of haven't drafted a lot of, and he's still way behind ADP. I mean, we're almost at 25 30 picks at Sam Laporta. So like I mentioned earlier, tight end's one of those positions that if you don't have a stacking with a quarterback, you can see certain guys fall that you're not used to. And if you have three tight end builds, it's pretty awesome. CJ Stroud did make it back to me, which is the sentence that you want to hear. <laughs> I just don't like any of the other quarterbacks that I can say, hey, they're going to keep getting snaps. Like I can't bank on Trey Lance. Mac Jones might be replaced. Desmond Ritter, who knows? Jimmy G, who knows? Baker's out of the league. And then I I thought about Ryan Tannehill for a second. And another example of like, who knows what they're going to be. If I was in a tournament, I would be more open to that because I have Chig if I wanted to stack that way. But I took in this 12-man league, just give me somebody I know that's going to be out on the field. Like even if he's bad for a lot of the year, they're going to keep throwing CJ Stroud out there. So that's my QB2. Took him right at ADP, right on the money. His ADP is 190.1. And I took him at 190. That is a golden pick. Oh, so you reached for him. Just a slight, just a, just a <laughs> slight reach. You had to have him. No, but in all seriousness, like you said, it doesn't really matter like who your QB2 is. Like if Josh Allen gets hurt, your team's done, right? And you're making a bet on Josh Allen and the Bills offense. So I agree with you. If, if you just got to take someone to fill the bye week, Stroud makes makes a lot of sense here. I need to build out my wide receiver room a little bit more. Like I feel really good about who I got early. But I haven't taken a wide receiver since pick 118. So it's been a while. Let me list you some names of the boys, the the crew. And I'm just looking for pure snaps here. Like, I think I have a lot of touchdown upside on my team. But your boy Chase Claypool, (laughs) McCole Hardman, Tim Patrick, Robert Woods, Marvin Jones, who's the GOAT, Tank Dell, Terrace Marshall. Dude, there's... These guys are pulling on my heartstrings. I feel like everybody wants me to take Marvin Jones or Terrace Marshall right here. Are they in your queue? Everyone. They're on the board. Okay. But do you have a certain preference here? Uh, not those two guys. That's <laughs> not, who I don't either. Not those two guys. That's for sure. 
Um, yeah, this range is, is tough for wide receiver. I am actually kind of okay with Robert Woods. I mean, you already have CJ Stroud. Robert Woods is a very low upside pick, but in round 17, 18, he's going to play on the field. And if they do bring over this kind of like, you know, Bobby Slowick sort of uh, San Francisco roots offense where the wide receivers need to be out there to help block and then also create with play action. Like Robert Woods is incredible at that. So I can know he's older coming off the ACL from a couple of years ago. Like what is he ever going to be? But as far as a guy that will be out there and give you opportunity in round 17, 18, there are way worse picks. That's what I went with. That's who I had queued up because I had CJ Stroud, but I, I was looking at these and I go, Chase Claypool could be off this roster. Nicole Hardman to me is the wide receiver four on that team. And he's a gadget player. Marvin Jones is going to get some snaps early in the year. And then like, Predictably, as a veteran, he's going to fade, even though he's awesome. Tank Dell, if I wanted to shoot for pure upside, maybe at the end of the year in a tournament, you can get more. And then Terrace Marshall, I'll have him queued up just you know to pour one out for the people, but somebody else will probably steal Terrace Marshall from me in a second. I just went for snaps. I want somebody who's going to be on the field and not give me a zero in a, in a 12-person league. Makes sense. All right. I am about to be up on the clock here to round out my roster. I'm in a little bit of a pickle, Kyle, because I have three quarterbacks. I'm done there. I've got six running backs. I am done there for sure. And I have got six wide receivers. I kind of want to tackle on a seventh, but that would make me force a two tight end build, which I don't feel great about. Do you feel like I've invested enough draft capital in wide receiver that this could be a six wide receiver build? Because I spent heavy, heavy draft capital early on wide receivers. Yeah. I mean, you took six wide receivers in the first, uh, Let's see, you're at pick 85 with Brandon Cook. So I would feel totally fine looking at your roster and saying, hey, it's not ideal, but you're counting on, you You took Amon Ra and Garrett Wilson, you're counting on their scores and you know they have a high floor. And then Debo, you're going to get some touchdown weeks. Tony's kind of your high upside play. Smith and Jigway, you got some youth. I, I would feel fine with six wide receivers. Good because I'm looking at these wide receivers that are left. And I don't feel confident that any of them will do anything. You talked about Chase Claypool, Josh Palmer's kind of gotten phased out, Corey Davis, uh, Michael Hardman, Russell Gage, like Devontae Parker. You know, so I I'm probably just going to double tap tight end here and and kind of be done with it. There's not really anyone that's available that would be a great stack with my quarterback. So I'm just going to take ADP values here and guys that I think will be on the field a ton. Uh, Hayden Hurst is probably the lowest upside pick. That exists <laughs> currently, but he's a little after ADP, so I will snag him. And then I'm going to take uh, Cade Otten as my third tight end. All three of those guys have different bye weeks. Yeah, why don't you explain, like, obviously those are the least sexy picks of this draft. I mean, when people write articles about this a year from now, they'll say, wow, those were not cool. But we want players that are live at the end of the year, where there's some players that might have more upside, like Michael Mayer has more upside, Jelani Woods had some big games last year, Luke Musgrave. But at the end of the day, it's like you want known commodities that are going to be out there more than just high upside in this type of format. For sure. And specifically right now where, you know, we're going to have this lull of NFL news where there's not much out there. You know, there's no training camp yet. OTAs and minicamp just ended. And so it's going to be a lot of speculation of uh, who's the wide receiver three or who's the running back two. Who do I need to target here? And a lot of these picks are going to be wrong right now. And that's that's the risk of drafting right now. But there's also benefits because you could hit on a couple of these guys. But when you talk about the ability to get to the end of the season with a live roster, meaning you've got 
16, 17, or 18 guys contributing to your score, it's not rocket science. Obviously, your chances of, of being a profitable best ball player are going to be much better than if you take a bunch of dart throws in round 16, 17, 18, and those guys don't do anything for you. So in this specific format where it's just 12 teams, I know Hayden Hurst is the starting tight end for Carolina. I know Kate Otten is going to be out there for Tampa Bay. We're scared about those offenses, but when you're looking for snaps and opportunity, where honestly in this range, like if this guy gives me 30 yards and a touchdown, that's good enough. I hate trying to figure out running back in round 18 because I I could make a case for about 20 people right here that I could take with my final pick. I could then flip that same script and say, this guy could be off the team with so many of these dudes. Like even if there was an injury ahead of them, who knows? Ooh, Marvin Jones just went ahead of me. There you go. Now I can't even take him. But is there any running backs at the end that you feel really good with? I'm going to take... Oh, man. It's like I could say Pierre Strong, but then I could also say Kevin Harris. I could say Izzy Abanaconda, but they could add somebody else there. I could say Zach Evans. I could say Malik Davis. I could say Michael Carter. I, if I, you're asking me I, if there's I, anyone I feel good about, the answer is no. If you're asking me who I have been taking in round 18, 17-ish range when I do take running back, sometimes it is uh, these guys that don't have a team yet. Like Leonard Fournette, I feel somewhat confident he's going to have a team by week one. Zeke has fallen into the 180s at times. Like I, I think as time goes by, like I think there's a good chance he's back on Dallas and he could find himself to six, seven, eight touchdowns, something like that. Like That's a play. I think Josh Kelly is very likely to be the running back too. We'll see on that. He's so he's bad not- at football. Nope, he's not good, but <laughs> if Eckler goes down, he can get some work. Uh, and then I think right now, if you are making a bet on running back for Dallas, not Zeke, it is Malik Davis. And then Pierre Strong is my preferred uh, New England target. All those guys are so hard. I ended up, like I said earlier, I felt fine with my five running backs and where I got them in the the capital. And so I went with somebody that I think is going to get snaps. And one of my favorite last round picks is Corey Davis because I think he's going to be out in the field like over and over and over again. So um, let's review our rosters. Bets, why don't you go first as we just ended this thing and tell people your full roster from the 12th spot? Yep, well, I absolutely hate it. So that's fun. I have a three-quarterback build with Daniel Jones, Russell Wilson, and Brock Purdy. Sadly, I did not get a Daniel Jones stack. I've got six running backs, Jameer Gibbs, Alexander Madison, Samaj Piran, Roshan Johnson, Devin Singletary, and Kenneth Gamewell. I've got six wide receivers that... Uh, these are the dudes. Amon Ra, Garrett Wilson, Debo Samuel, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Kadarius Tony, and Brandon Cooks, and then three tight ends, Greg Dulcich, Hayden Hurst, Kate Otten. Is there anything that you feel like a spot in the draft where you're like, I regret taking this pick or I wish I would have done this differently? Yep, there is. <laughs> there definitely is. I probably would have tried to lean into more of the uh the quarterbacks that kind of went in that like third tier and tried to snag maybe two of those you know, with Daniel Jones, but they went a little early, so that was kind of a bummer that I missed out. And then the other thing is that I probably could have afforded to do a five running back build with this team and maybe use one of those Roshan Johnson, Devin Singletary at the turn picks on a wide receiver. But other than that, um, I kind of just let the board fall to me. That's the risk when you draft at the turn is just that you're kind of, you're making bets on who you think gets back to you, and oftentimes you're wrong. The, the difference, I think, between our wide receiver rooms, and I'll run through mine, is... I kind of lean a little bit more into guys that have been historically just touchdown dudes where I think your guys have higher floors at the very top, like Garrett Wilson, Amon Ra, uh, JSN, 
And then Debo's kind of been a touchdown dude that you get, but um, I've just kind of changed my approach a little bit from looking at, you know, pure fantasy points to I want players that their archetype has been 101 as opposed to, you know, 60 and six, which is kind of like Amon Ra or, or Keenan Allen. So I'll go through my roster from the three spot. Uh, my quarterbacks are Josh Allen and CJ Stroud. My running backs are Tony Pollard, Aaron Jones, Zach Charbonnet, Tank Bigsby, and Uncle Jerome Ford. My wide receiver is Jamar Chase. That's all I need. I can log out from there. Jamar Chase, Big Mike Willie, Jahan Dotson, Gabe the Babe Davis, Elijah Moore, Michael Gallup, Robert Woods, Corey Davis, which sounds like a bunch of fantasy guys from like five years ago. And then I went for a three <laughs> tight end build with Chiga Conquo, Tyler Higby, and rounded it out with Dawson Knox. So where would you poke holes in mine? I think this is a really good team, actually. And I'm, I'm sad to say that because we're competing against each other for some cold, hard cash. But I love that you kind of let the Josh Allen stack fall to you. I think Dawson Knox is one of my favorite late tight end picks because on underdog where touchdowns matter so much, like that is Dawson Knox game. And you're betting on Josh Allen anyway. So I, I love that stack. And then I like the fact that you have these wide receivers but i think you probably could have gone maybe with a seven wide receiver bill just like you've got jamar chase you've got mike williams Jahan dotson gabe davis like you kind of hammered that middle range that Corey davis may have been overkill uh i know you took robert woods because you had cj stroud but that may have been overkill like that kind of thing but other than that man i think this is a, a very solid team yeah i would say that the one thing is that kind of final couple of wide receivers where it's like I need to lean into the uncertainty of some of these running backs who I just don't know. So maybe instead of Robert Woods, I could have taken Leonard Fournette or, or Chuba Hubbard was still on the board. Uh, there's just guys like, I don't know what Chase Brown is. I don't know what Malik Davis is. So I probably could have gone with one more running back and, and that would have done well. But I'm going to give a shout out before we end to a couple of teams and bets you can look at the draft board too, of people that we got to draft with. I'll shout out some names. It's Dragon9, Crucial, Crucial MG, <laughs> KYL3Borg. What a G. Swifty, Campbell 61, Steel Dion 1, Salvez, Just Drew at 33, Bryson Locke, Sam Witt, M. V. Murray, and then some guy named the Fantasy PT who has a shield next to his name because he's a degenerate. <laughs> that is accurate, Kyle. Thank you for pointing that out. I will say Dragon9, who is an active member in our Discord, got to stack Jalen Hurts and Dallas Goddard. And I like Dallas Goddard because you can get him basically at ADP with Jalen Hurts on that side of the board. You also got DK Metcalf, who I have is a pretty strong. So his teams look pretty similar at the very start to like how I have a lot of my teams. I'm going to take Jefferson or Chase, stack you know one of the elite quarterbacks, get DK Metcalf, and then this middle range of running backs of Kenneth Walker and Joe Mixon, I am totally fine with. Any teams that stand out to you? I'm looking at a couple teams. I agree with you. I like that team a lot. Um, one that I also found interesting was uh, Swifty's team here. Um, I think the two five nine two build is one of my favorites when it makes sense. And I think the archetypes that uh, this person took with like Joe Burrow as a QB one, you only need two, two quarterbacks. When you take Mark Andrews, you only need two. And it allows you to really build good cores at running back and wide receiver. And that's what this, uh, this drafter did. So I like that. Um, the only kind of spot that I maybe would hesitate on is kind of this fringy, like they might not even been out there by the time week 
10 comes around is like Tim Patrick, right? And, and Marvin Jones. Uh, but the opportunity cost is so low. You're taking shots here anyway. That it makes sense, especially with Marv Jones, because he's a Kyle's favorite player of all time. And he already had uh, Jarek off. I want to throw out one more team. Just drew it 33 started off with Eckler Olave, which I'm fine. If you want to take Eckler as a top five pick, I'm totally fine with Olave anywhere in the second round. Uh, but then he got some good stacking, a team that we've talked about a lot, the Browns. So Amari Cooper stacked with Deshaun Watson and David Njoku. And yeah, then like some other some other players are like, the biggest question is Kyler Murray. Uh, what is he and what could you do there? So I think for a second quarterback in a league like this, Kyler Murray could be a zero at some point, And that just scares me a little bit. But the upside is definitely like, this is a team I would be totally fine bringing into a tournament because I think they hit wide receiver early. We think Deshaun Watson's the last quarterback in that tier that we feel comfortable in two quarterback builds. And then Kyler, if people are sleeping on Kyler and he does come back and he exceeds expectation, like I think he's got a smash team. So Van Jefferson's a great value. Jeff Wilson, Darius Slayton. I mean, I feel like these are the ranks. Like these, these, these are the boys. They are. Every, every name that you kind of listed off, I was like, yeah, I like him. Yep, I'm high on him. Okay, makes sense. I, I do love the Cleveland stuff this year. I think I think fading kind of what we just saw on the field last year and buying into they let Kareem Hunt walk. They trade for Elijah Moore. They were up in pace and past temps over the last, you know, four weeks or so with Deshaun Watson, kind of once he got his feet wet. I think we're gonna see a pretty aggressive game plan. So I am I am pretty in on that as like a second tier team that you can get with somewhat affordable prices. That's going to do it for this episode. Betts and I will get to post the draft board. You get to look at it. You criticize us. Tell us we're dumb for taking certain players. Totally fine with us. It's a pretty extra long episode. I mean, when you fit in a live draft and you're talking through it and then you're analyzing it, I mean, this is almost like an hour and a half. This is too much. I think it's time to end the show, Kyle. <laughs> I think so, too. Check out everything at ultimatedraftkid.com if you want our best ball ranks. Betts, tell the people bye. Yes, this is fun. Hope you all enjoyed Uh, I also hope you all lose because we're playing for some cold hard cash here, but we'll post some more live drafts for y'all to jump in with us. Had a lot of fun. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at thefantasyfootballers.com.